You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Across the Vancouver line, trying to sit on the key, broken up by Miller, but he lost the puck and they score! Well, yeah, and, uh, uh, that's, uh, that's not good. And the Montreal Canadiens pick up a win on home ice. As they meet the Vancouver Canucks tonight at Bell Centre by a final score of 5-2. to two. You know, uh, there's no excuse to come out the way we did, and uh, we just got to be better in the next game. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Sportsnet 650 studios, specifically the Kintec studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Uh, A-Dog, good morning to you. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning to you Hi. as well. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Uh, Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, I did mention we are coming to you live from the Kintec studios. Jason, tell them more. About Kintech. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Big show ahead on the Halford and Bruff experience here on Sportsnet 650. The guest list begins at 7 o'clock in the morning. Chris Faber, Canucks Army, Canucks Conversation, is going to join us to talk about the Vancouver Canucks, 5-2 losers in Montreal last night. Chris Faber, like Faber College from Animal House, a famous movie. Yes, and so it begins. Another day of Animal House discussion, discourse. Faber College. Faber College. You say, So, okay, I'm doing this right now. I don't even care. Uh, we have a separate text thread with one of our buddies, Mike Marnego, who used to work on the show. And Bruff sent out a picture of Flounder. One of the characters from Animal House. And Martin Ego responded, who is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and I was internally laughing. I'm I didn't sure wanna, it went very well. I didn't want to explain the whole bit to I someone. I was like, that come on! <laughs> no one in my life knows about Animal House. Uh, 7.30, Frank Saravalli. There's no tie-in to Animal House here. That's just Frank Saravalli. Uh, he's going to join us at 7.30 to whip around the NHL. 8 o'clock, Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of those Vancouver Canucks. We'll be joining us to discuss last night's game in Montreal and look ahead to Saturday's game in Toronto. If you want a reprieve from the Canucks, but also want to watch hockey because you like the sport, tonight is your night. There are 10 games on the ledger. Calgary and Boston's one of them. Edmonton and Carolina. Ottawa taking on the surprising New Jersey Devils. And this one near and dear to your heart, laddie. Jack Eichel back in Buffalo is Vegas. Having beat Toronto the other night goes to Buffalo, the Jack Eichel return. I mean, I know he's been back already. Oh, he's going to get booed again, though. Can you believe it? Can you? Uh, There's four NBA games. There's an awful Thursday night football game between the Falcons and the Panthers if you're really desperate to watch sports. But again, working in reverse on the guest list. 8 o'clock is Brendan Batchelor. 7.30, Frank Saravalli. 7 o'clock, Chris Faber from Faber College is going to join us. Uh, We got a lot to get into. There was a Canucks game last night. Spoiler alert, it didn't go well. For your local hockey squadron, but without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was. We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? Kirby Doc. There's not enough Kirby's in the world. Kirby Doc scored twice for Montreal. Nick Suzuki had a goal and an assist. All the highlights really came from the Montreal side of things. 5-2 win, or as we like to call it here, a 5-2 loss, because this is your home of the Canucks for the Vancouver Canucks at La Centre Belle on Wednesday in Montreal. It was a disappointing game, to put it mildly. Just a horrendous first period for the Canucks, who played all their greatest hits from the first 12 games of the season. There was an early offensive zone penalty. There was an early power play goal allowed early On that power play, there was some terrible puck management, looking at you, JT Miller, some shaky goaltending from Thatcher Demko, and that period ended with a 3-0 deficit, and even though they came back 
against the Ottawa Senators last night. It was too much to come back against the Montreal Canadiens uh, in the second period. Jack, a Jack Rathbone blunder at Montreal's blue line led to a Mike Hoffman breakaway. Then it was 4 nothing. The Canucks up to that point, when it was 4 nothing, Montreal, had offered very little in terms of battling back in the game. They showed a bit of life in the third and even came within a post, actually two posts, of making it a one-goal game. Alas, another tough Rathbone shift, and the Habs made it 5-2. to two. I have a question for everyone in this room. Guys, pay attention. How does a professional hockey team playing at the highest levels of hockey keep making the same mistakes over and over? The Canucks, you just watch them. You don't even have to be an advanced hockey fan. And you can look and see that is a chaotic mess out there. Everything looks so disorganized. There's no attention to detail or discipline. Our friend Arpon Basu from The Athletic, who has covered the Montreal Canadiens for a long time, tweeted out, this is a guy that doesn't really watch the Canucks. It's not his job to follow the Canucks. Why would you do it willingly? He tweeted out, don't want to make a sweeping generalization, but so far tonight at least, the Canucks are one hell of a disorganized hockey team disorganized Mm -hmm. it's been the case all season we played a Bo Horvat quote that Laddie was joking before the show could have been from I don't know any time in the last few years how many times have we heard this we can make all the excuses we want they were on a back-to-back too so um you know uh, there's no excuse to come out the way we did and uh, we just got to be better in the next game There's no excuse to come out the way we did, but we got to come out better the next game. Is he just reading these from memory like Halford reads, you know, like the Delari? No, because he didn't trip over any of the words. That's true. Also, he's got it down. It's just he must be exhausted coming out and seeing the same things. Like you, you over see, you, and over you, and over and over again. You mentioned that the Canucks were playing all their greatest hits last night. Bo's playing his greatest hits. Right, just put it on repeat. Anyway, here's Wonderwall, and then away we go, <laughs> and and then you just go. I mean, I I and to be perfectly honest, I feel bad that play gotta play better next time. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Freebird, Bo, play Freebird. They, uh, I I do feel bad for Horvat actually because he's the only guy that seems to be doing any of the heavy lifting right now. I here's you know what in, in four and a half minutes of audio yesterday. Bruce Boudreaux took issue with a laundry list of things and individuals. And then at the very end of the four and a half minutes, Bruce Boudreaux just decided to go after the collective when he was asked, essentially, can you predict whether it's going to be the Jekyll and Hyde or the good and bad Canucks on a nightly basis and from period to period? And his answer was alarming because it was essentially, no, no, I can't. We'll play the audio now. This is at the very end. Of And he's not even mad. He's just tired and exasperated and frustrated and disappointed. But he just doesn't have the answers, friends. He really doesn't. This is the very last clip, Boudreaux on the good-bad Canucks. That's how I kind of phrased it, because it's a Jekyll and Hyde type thing. Uh, This is what it sounded like at the tail end of Bruce Boudreaux's audio following a 5-2 loss to the Montreal Canadiens on Wednesday night at the Bell Centre. If I could bottle it up and find out, I would, uh, you know, <laughs> I'd be a rich man. I mean, they did the same thing uh, last year. No matter how you you push it, and you just never know which period's going to be good and which period's going to be bad. But I mean, for this team to go anywhere, they've got to be consistent. And we haven't had a game yet where we've allowed less than three goals, except for the Pittsburgh game. So, uh, unless you start defending, I mean, it's uh, uh, it's not going to happen. You never know what you're going to get. Canucks are like a box of chocolates in which every chocolate is poison. <laughs> it's bad. It's the way they're going about it, man. It's, yeah, it is. It's, it's, the way, it's the way they're losing. It's the same mistakes over and over again. Like, you're, 
This feels like piling on Tanner Pearson because even the broadcast was doing it last night with Justin Bourne talking about Tanner Pearson and how he's got, I mean, this is a guy with, with a Stanley Cup ring from his time with the LA Kings. So he knows the type of hockey that you need to play in order to win at the highest level. And how many times this season has he gone out and taking an early penalty? Yeah. And like it's it's remarkable, do, do, really. Do, does he need to be reminded that the Canucks PK is is a bit of a struggle? So maybe don't do that right away. Like it wasn't even He gets out there and he takes that penalty early, like he wants to get it out of the way. Like yeah. I'm I'm two hundred feet away from my net. Now's the time to take the penalty. It's and, it is quite remarkable from a guy that is a, a veteran, has won at the highest level. And we'll play the audio in a sec, but like he should know better. They're all unnecessary penalties. They should all know better. There's a bunch of veterans on this team. Yeah, that's true. You know, JT Miller should know better. Maybe he just doesn't. I don't know. I, I, I don't understand how a guy that is making all this money keeps giving the puck away. The, the way he does it, too, right? Mm-hmm. It's, just, it, it's just unbelievable that we're watching this play out. I heard Sat on the uh on the post game show last night and he he's just like you know Sat is a pretty measured guy. He's he's not a shock jock by any means, not like a couple amateurs like we are who're just trying to get attention. Sat is, you know, measured in his analysis. He's neither positive nor negative and I'm listening to him he's like it is just unacceptable the way these guys are coming out Mm -hmm. and then you know they're talking about you know i guess some some texter had 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 said or a caller had said like i'm not not, why is anyone spending their money on this team it's like well you know it's not that easy to just say i'm not spending my money like what if you have a kid that wants to go to a game or what if you have people that are coming in from out of town that want to go see the canucks like Mm -hmm. i get the sentiment and he was like i get the sentiment but like you know, it's it's not that easy. Like people like hockey; they want to support the Canucks. That's sure. the thing; they want to support this team and this team on this road trip. This road trip that their coaches said this might have this might be saving our season. Right? They came out with a putrid effort in Ottawa through the first two periods and somehow pulled it together and won that game. Mostly because Ottawa is not a very good team, mm-hmm. and Ottawa has a lot of lessons. They go into Montreal. And I know they played the night before They're tired. in Ottawa. Hey, guess what? Montreal played the night before in Detroit. And Montreal is rebuilding. Montreal went into this season, and a lot of people said, bah, they're probably going to be in the conversation to get Connor Bedard. They're going to be down there with the Chicagos and the Arizonas. And look at what Montreal did. They outworked a capped-out team that was off to a terrible start in a season in which they have said it's going to be a disaster if we miss the playoffs, like how many more messages mm-hmm. need to be sent to ownership or to management that this core, this group is not good together, not good enough, and stop with the whole pecking away at the roster and start using some dynamite. Uh, so I do want to mention, and I know this isn't the greatest follow-up to talking about blowing up the core of the team, Tanner Pearson, but I do think there's something very important here. And it's something that Rutherford threw out there prior to the Canucks leaving on this road trip. Accountability. Because he did stress that there needs to be some level of accountability and personal responsibility. And I think the unsaid part was ramifications or consequences to when guys either aren't doing their job aren't following the system, or quite frankly, are costing their team. Pearson right now, there's no reason why Pearson shouldn't be sat down for a game. He has one goal in 14 games. So unlike some of the other aforementioned mistake havers on the team, like JT Miller, Pearson's not even compensating with production. He has one goal in 14 games. He's taking bad, needless penalties at crucial times of games. And for the Canucks, a crucial time of the game is any time of the game because the penalty kills so bad. I want to play the audio now from Boudreaux because I think at a, at a certain point in this answer, he comes to the realization that it's going to have to be more than, well, we got to clean up our mistakes. This is Bruce Boudreaux on Tanner Pearson, who had another rough night last night, exited with an injury, 
but we'll have no idea if he's going to be in the lineup on Saturday against Toronto. Well, yeah, and uh, uh, that's uh, that's not good, and that'll be addressed tonight and tomorrow, and uh, so it's uh, uh, you know that that should never happen to anybody, let alone a guy that's won two cups and knows exactly what he's supposed to be doing. Uh, he'll be out. You know, I mean, it's at least day-to-day right now from what I gather, but I don't know how severe it is. The only reason I bring this up is because at a certain point, uh, rubber's going to hit the road and Boudreaux's going to start reacting with, you know, screw it, either you're getting benched or you're not playing or something's going to happen before he's eventually shown the door. It's the sort of, I don't know if it's Custer's last stand or what, but he can't keep just kind of going through, not not the motions, but he, the same sort of thing over and over and over again. Because he's already played that card through 13 games. We've played countless moments of audio where he said, oh, if I had the answer, I'd be a rich man. Or if I knew how to bottle it up, I'd bottle it up and sell it for... And that would be the solution, not the problem. But it's always been, well, we tell them about the problems. They're just not fixing the problems. And now that Rutherford's opened the door to criticisms of his head coach, I feel like we're inching closer and closer to the head coach saying, you know what? We can't get it done with the roster compiled. Because honestly, I look at some of those performances last night, and they're not up to snuff in the NHL. Like, and I, it's going to be unfair to pick on Rathbone, but Rathbone shouldn't be out there. And that was, that was a, a lot of people texting in to saying that that was a possible solution or bring him in to replace Stillman. Well, I'll tell you what, it didn't make a lick of difference. It might have actually been worse. And I feel bad for Rathbone because, as we once said in those Justin Trudeau political ads, he's just... Not ready. Boudreaux even said it himself. Yeah, so Jim Rutherford said, and IMAC brought this quote up, remind us of this quote during the game on Twitter, and he said, I think it's worth remembering what Jim Rutherford said on Monday on this station, and everyone was talking about his criticism of the head coach. But he also said, we're at a point now And certainly we will be at the end of this road trip where we have to make players more accountable. We'll have to take the necessary steps to get players' attention. Mm -hmm. See, that to me is the big big takeaway moving forward. How would he do that? Because if Jim Rutherford, let's say, let's say he wants to get Tanner Pearson's attention. What do you do? Trade him. How, man? How? 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 That's the thing. That's what's so frustrating about this situation. You can't just trade Tanner Pearson. Who would want him? You cannot trade. You would have to add a sweetener to get rid of Tanner Pearson's contract. If you put him on waivers, this is maybe something you could do. You send him down to the minors. You could put him on waivers. No one's picking him up. You could put him on waivers and send him down to the minors. That's, that's, I suppose, what you could do. But if you say trade him, how? You could trade him for Zach Cassian because they have the exact same contract. <laughs> there you go. I just solved the problem. You could trade him for <laughs> – it's funny. He signed a similar contract to Mason Raymond back in 2014. That's So that's, that's one of the things. I think what's going to happen is Boudreaux's going to have to start just punishing guys in the only way that he's got available to him. No, I mean, but but is Rutherford going to do it? Is management going to do it for for him? Because I I think there's a feeling out there that for management that Bruce Boudreaux isn't that guy. He's not willing. Management is not. They can't do it. They don't have the cap space, the flexibility, the assets, the sweeteners. They don't have any of it. The part of the reason why Rutherford did this at the start of the road trip was out of desperation. He doesn't have a lot of other cards to play. You may as well rattle the cage and. You know, put the nightstick back and forth on the jail cell bars to try and get someone's attention because you don't have any other course of action. Rutherford has built, uh, he's built a reputation and he's built a resume as an NHL executive, as a guy that's been able to shake a team up through transactions, through trades. He is obviously a guy that wants that end game, meaning get the guy's attention, but the execution has always been in a different manner. It's always been a trade or something. And I, I hear what you're saying. They should take a stick of dynamite to it. But I think that they've explored that option. I think they explored it in the summer. I think that they've explored it at the beginning of the season. And there's just not anything to do right now. So what's left? Well, you call out your coach for a lack of structure on the start of a road trip. Try, and it's a Hail Mary, to get that us versus the world mentality in the room. And then hope that they can somehow go on a heater. 
that's where they're at. The return of Kevin Bieksa to the team for the one-day contract and and, uh, retirement ceremony really put it in – it defined for me how much a bunch of players a decade ago cared about the Vancouver Canucks and how much personality there was on that team, how much they all got along, how much they won together how much they dedicated themselves to winning mm. the culture that was built in Vancouver, you know, a decade ago. And here in stark contrast, we have this group and I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but I sometimes really do wonder and I'm watching this team in this core and we've seen it play out so many times. I don't do this easily to question effort, but I honestly wonder, is it important to these guys that they're Vancouver Canucks? Or is it important to them that they're representing uh, the Vancouver Canucks and the Vancouver Canucks fans? Because it was important to Kevin Bieksa, and it was important to the Sedins and Burroughs, and we, we can go through the list. And I just wonder if, if they care. Because the way they've come out in the first two games of this road trip – suggests to me that they don't they want it to be blown up. They don't really right. want to be together. They don't really care what happens. And listen, maybe there's a few guys on that team that care, like Luke Shen cares, mm-hmm. right? I, th- I I do think that Horvat cares. Um, but I just think that as a group, they just like I don't here's the thing. I don't want to build on this group. I don't want this group around anymore. I don't want this group to be the foundation because I don't see this as a foundation that like, does anyone, does anyone picture in five years, a bunch of players from this core hoisting the Stanley cup? I I went out and played hockey last night. It was ridiculous. I, it was nine 30 at night and I'm playing hockey. I'm like, I gotta get about five hours. But Mm -hmm. during the warm up. One of my buddies comes up to me and he's like, you know what? Like the Ethan Bear looks okay. I'm like, yeah, I guess. Right. But like, is he going to be around when this team is good? And he's like, no, but like as a five, six defenseman, like, and I'm like, I, I'm sorry. I, I just, I don't care about a five, six defenseman on this team because, you know, with all due respect to Ethan Bear, yeah, he's, he's, I guess he's fine. I was like, yeah, I guess. Yep. But like, he's, he, he, you know, like there are, there are so many more issues about this team and the five six defenseman can get dealt with later, mm-hmm. right? Like this is a foundation. This is a core issue. This team, there is something rotten about this team. Okay. Well, on the subject of core foundational pieces, core members, important parts of what many hope, or maybe faintly hope, is going to be the central part of this team. Can someone please explain to me what's going on with Thatcher Demko? Laddie, would you care to take a stab at it? A dog, would you care to take a stab at it? I want to see more Spencer Martin, and I'm he's, not being silly. I, he's okay, battling I really right do. now, and I think the coach mentioned it in his post game as well. And he's in a really troubling environment right now. But he was in a troubling environment last year. Yeah, but he's not on his game right now. I, so when he does struggle, you're going to get the spotlight on him right now, like we're seeing. Can we play the Boudreaux audio on Demko? Because he just basically acknowledged that like Demko doesn't have it. It ain't it right now, and it was another one of those. Bruce shrugging his shoulders moments where it's like, well, if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. And that includes our goaltender. Here now is Bruce Boudreaux on Thatcher Demko. I got to keep him in there. He's got to fight through these things. I mean, if, if you just keep making it easy, then all of a sudden you don't fight through. I mean, any of the good goaltenders that I've had, they want to stay in there. They want to find it. And I thought at the beginning of the second, he made a couple of good saves. I thought it was going to be there, but then still, you know, things leak through. If we if there's one significant difference from the loosey goosey style that Bruce Boudreau deployed last season that got them so many wins, the Bruce bump, Bruce, there it is, and this year's style in which Boudreau pointed out they've given up three goals in every single game except for the Pittsburgh game that they won five one. It's Thatcher Demko. I I mean, we talked about this before the year, and we were talking about playoff projections and where the team might end up. And I think we both said on a number of occasions, every bit of success this team has is predicated on goaltending. Meaning, if 
they don't get Demko-esque goaltending, they're cooked. They're toasted. Well, proof's in the pudding right now. I, I and, and it's, again, I don't want to make this sound like everything that you just said about bigger, more profound, fundamental issues aren't there because they are. But the, the reality is on the night-to-night, game-to-game, when you're coming in and doing analysis, we're at game 14 right now. I don't think Demko's played one good one. Maybe one. Maybe one. Honestly. Yeah. No, it's not good. That is that, And that's a stunning thing to say. And it does sort of lead you to understand why the team's in the position that they are. It's also proof of concept for everything that Rutherford said at the end of last season and at times this season that there's not enough structure in this team to survive average goaltending. Other teams in the NHL can do it. This one can't. I don't know what's going on with Demko. I don't know if he's going to turn it around. It could be one of those years, and you've seen them if you go through any goalies hockey yeah, DB like page. Connor Hellebuck had a ba- had some just had a bad had, year. Had some struggles. Uh, when was that, Laddie? Connor Hellebuck. Hellebuck was last year. Was it last year? A couple years ago, yeah, I want to yeah. say he wasn't very good. John Gibson had a like down year in, right. in the middle of a run, and it's unfortunate for your team. I think the hope is a management group is that you've built enough of a good structured system in front of them that you can play through a goalie going through slumps. Because remember, a goalie is not unlike any other skater. Sometimes the game abandons you for a while, right? Sometimes you don't score. Sometimes you have bad defensive reads. It's like a hitter going in a slump, right? It happens. When you only play 40, 45 games a year, you have a couple of bad stretches. Yeah, your numbers are going to take a hit, a little bit of a hit. So we'll dip into the Dunbar-Lumber text line uh, in the next segment. Before we get the guests start at seven o'clock, the guests, guests start, start at seven o'clock. The guests start at seven o'clock this morning. It's it it's it's not funny, but it's it's kind of it's it's telling that Mike and I have just eviscerated this team. Like we've called out whether they even care about being Vancouver Canucks. No pushback from that in the Dunbar Lumber text line. Mostly people agreeing and saying you're a hundred percent right. And when we watch this team, we don't see that they care. That is an indictment on a a group of professional athletes that are making a lot of money to play professional hockey and are playing in the NHL, supposedly living out their dream. It's 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 got to be absolutely infuriating to the owner of the team, the manager of the team, the uh, the head coach of the team, the captain of the team, the alumni of this team. This this is this is this is one of the. I'm I'm not I'm not joking here. I've watched the Canucks for most of my life. This is one of the lowest points in franchise history. You're listening to the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. Here's the thing. I don't want to build on this group. I don't want this group around anymore. Does anyone picture in five years a bunch of players from this core hoisting the Stanley Cup? 6.34 on a Thursday. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 6.50. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, we are also brought to you by Rogers. Rogers Sportsnet, but also the mobile, cellular side of things. The pre-Black Friday sale is on now at Rogers. Get an iPhone 13. For $5 per month with eligible trade on financing and upfront hedge. Details on the internet at rogers.com. Well done. Thanks. Nicely done. Bruff going off like John Bluto Blutarski at Animal House. Did, what'd you call him? <laughs> <laughs> what'd you call him? John Bluto Blutarski, the main character. <laughs> I know it's the like, film. It's like me, fine American that's classic. Like me trying to say eligible. You call him, <laughs> classic you, film. Did you call him Bluetooth? <laughs> no, Bluto. <laughs> okay. Good work. Good old Bluetooth. Good, good old. <laughs> he was ahead of his time. <laughs> 78. His nickname is Bluetooth. Um, yeah. That, we're not going to do that. Bruff's fired up enough already. Yeah. The, the, the Bruff's like, his, no Mount Bruff for me. We'll see about that. <laughs> we'll see. The state of his local hockey squadron has him all kinds of fired up. He is not alone. 
The Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650, the in-basket, if you will, is also plenty fired up. It is always amazing to me that people awake this early in the morning, probably going on a commute they don't want to go on to a job that they don't want to go to, have the passion and the energy and the fire. They care about the team. They care. They care about the team. Someone cares, and it's the fans. I'm just pandering well, now. No, but they, they care, and that's why these teams are worth so much money. Mm-hmm. That's why the Canucks, if they were sold, would be sold for at least a billion dollars. Brand loyalty, they call it. You've got all these people out there that care about the team. Is it silly that we care about this hockey team? Kind of, but we do. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things that's supposed to be enjoyable in life is following a sports team and supposed to hoping for the odd moment of glory. Uh, and yet there are all these people that are texting in right now that are feeling the same way that I think all four of us are feeling and that, you know, we're kind of like, it doesn't look like you guys love the fans. It doesn't look like you guys are, are playing for the fans. Mm. You're all getting paid quite a bit of money, but to what end? Mike, the urologist from Brockville, texts in. Totally agree with you guys. I think this is a low point in my nearly four decades of fandom. A low point in nearly four decades of fandom. It's so disheartening to see a decent team on paper perform like an AHL team on the ice, a team that can play great one period and horrendous the next two, a team playing in a league at the highest level in the world with players making egregious errors on even the simplest of plays. How can we possibly move forward like this without blowing it all up? Well, blowing it all up is going to be a lot more difficult, especially at the current... That's the what rough part of what happens in this conversation, is conceptually and spiritually, <laughs> I agree with everything that you're saying. It's not good. It doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. And the execution is way, way off. The execution of the game plan, not the players. But we've talked ourselves in circles trying to figure out how they're going to get out of this mess. And I think the grim reality of it is, is there's no good solution 14 games into a season. There's just not. I, I said we had a back and forth in the first half hour of the program. We we're talking about Tanner Pearson, who's fighting it big time right now and is not playing well and had another, well, two. Really bad penalties yesterday. One that cost the Canucks and got them off to a bad start and lost them a lead. And the back and forth went, what are they going to do with Pearson? I said, well, you can trade Pearson. You said, how are you going to trade him? I said, you could trade him for another bad contract. And that's really it. And then extrapolate that sort of schism, that that problem of all you're going to do is kind of rearrange deck chairs on the Titanic. It's for everybody. Do you know what, though? Like, I, I dislike this team so much right now that I don't even care about asset value. If they could give away players, I, I would give a, give them away. Well, here's where the – and we'll, we'll tie know? it back like in. Even, even, even the, there are contracts, whether you want to talk about Miller or Garland, that I would just be like, if you can get rid of them, get rid of them. Because well, I just don't want to see the group together anymore. And I this, don't. And this is where it comes back to the day-to-day and what were the current existence of this road swing that's going to go through – Toronto on Saturday. Remember, everybody, remember, this road trip began with the president of Hockey Ops getting on the phone, having an interview right here on the flagship radio station, Sportsnet 650, and saying that the team lacks accountability and it needs more of it. What that means is two things. One, it hasn't happened yet this season. And two, Jim Rutherford probably wants to see it in action. What does accountability look like moving forward? Well, that's a great question because that is an onus that's going to fall on Bruce Boudreaux and this coaching staff. I have no idea what it means. I don't know if Bruce is going to look to management and say, hey, accountability can even go one step further up the organizational ladder. Can you move a guy? Can you wave a guy? Can we healthy scratch a guy that doesn't see it coming? Can I bench a guy mid-game? Am I going to lose the team even further if I do that? Do I stop playing Thatcher Demko and start playing Spencer Martin? Where does the accountability start coming in in a major significant way? Because right now, I'm going to be perfectly honest, part of the reason I think guys are rolling out every night and giving kind of half-assed efforts 
and then saying afterwards that, well, we tried, it just didn't go our way, is because they know that they get to do it the next night and say the same thing and then away that they go. Look, I, w- I would like to hear them. i just like to hear some anger in their voices as, a poor, as opposed to, like, like, sadness. And they're just, like, resigned to their fate. You know, like push back at the media. They feel push, like they have apathy. Push back, push back at the fans. Push back at your president of hockey ops who, who, who says you play with no structure. Just like push back at all, just yeah. a little bit. Like I would love to. Like we've just absolutely, and not that they're you know listening to our show right now, but you know the message from I think a lot of fans and and most media. I mean the the fans have honestly come together. This is usually a pretty. A uh, polarizing fan group, you know, you, you had uh, in the last management group, you had people that supported the management and people that didn't support the management. It seems like everyone's on the same page right now and that they're like disgusted by the way yeah. this team is playing. Like the Canucks, I mean, they've done, if they've done one thing this year, it's bring the fan base together. They've united but us. United yeah, under one in, banner. In, in absolute, like, you know, disgust for the way this, this team is playing hockey, like, Go, go and, sh- you know, like show some pride. If not for the logo, if you don't care about the logo, how about the name on your back or like, just, you know, play- I don't know, play for yourself. I, I, I honestly, I, I'm just shocked at the way they've come out and played these, these, these last two games. I mean, maybe I shouldn't be shocked because it happens over and over again. This game that Mike is talking about here, Saturday night in Toronto, all eyes are going to be on them. Because you know, I know last night was a was a quote unquote national TV game, but it's this is Saturday night in Toronto. Now, does it matter to the Americans on the team, the Russians on the team, the Swedes on the team? I don't know. Maybe they're like, "Whoa, Saturday night! In, is that a big night in Canadian hockey?" Right? Like, I I don't know. But everyone's going to be talking about them. Like the Canucks are going to go in and play a Leaf side that has issues right now. Like I don't even know who their goalie is going to be Saturday night, but. Make no mistake, when Elliot Friedman and David Amber and Kevin Bieksa start talking on this broadcast and all the other people that are part of the broadcast, the story for the night is the Vancouver Canucks and how they are a complete mess. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, there was a moment in last night's game, and I know that um, Anthony Stewart brought it up in the intermission panel talking when Thatcher Demko got tangled up with Brendan Gallagher, and then the pushback came from thatcher demko that there wasn't anyone to just run in and either tune up gallagher or just let out some sense of frustration the crazy part about all of this is that the canucks have been actively fighting all season long i threw out the stat the other day they're up to 11 fights already they lead the nhl in fighting majors they had 17 all of last year they have 11 through 14 games they almost had 12 last night it's it's not there's a difference between pushback and showing that you care, and fighting majors. There, there, there's a correlation there for sure, but it's got to be something more than that. It's got to be a certain breaking point, and it's why I keep coming back to accountability. Like It doesn't seem like anything's really getting the intended lift or the intended result or the, the rattling of the cage or the pulling of the choke chain. None of it seems to be working in the fashion or the way that the message deliverer is delivering it. You know what I mean? Nothing seems to be really working and I know having followed Bruce Boudreaux's career prior to Vancouver he's got a lot of different tricks in the emotional toolkit Mm -hmm. he knows how to get a lift out of guys he did it last year he turned around a group that quite honestly was just about as putrid as this one in terms of lackluster not caring clearly quit on the coach so there's two things here either you pull out all the stops to try and jolt this group into giving more consistent and routine efforts, or the messenger, and that means Boudreaux, is gone, and I don't know if he's going to survive this road trip. You bring in someone else behind the bench, and you hope to hell that that'll give a spark, or there's a third option here, and you just you, you play out the hits. In this case, the hits aren't very good, and you don't want to hit them, but the, the season just kind of goes along, and then you start focusing on the offseason, and you start making moves designed for your future. None of these things are very positive end results for fans, especially the ones that follow on a day-to-day basis, but that's the kind of reality are that's you, looking them in the face right now. Are you with me, though, that you don't even, you don't even care too much about 
the return on some of the players going out the door? Like, would you? How many? How many? <laughs> how many players on this Canucks team would you be happy to put on waivers and see them taken away? Half of them. Um, half the group. I mean, of twenty three. <laughs> how how many players on this team? I'm serious. I'm, I'm I'm not. I'm not like this is. The, think of what we're saying right now. That there are a bunch of players on this team that you would happily put on waivers and pray that someone else picked up. Okay, let me. I'll throw back at the the only guys that I think the only guy that I think this year has uh, that's not named Bo Horvat, and I think that's a totally different situation because he's a UFA. Like I think Pedersen's been really good, mm-hmm. really good from the start yep. of the year. Yeah, I think he's carried the. T- I think he's carried a crappy team at times. He's on pace for close to a hundred points, and honestly. When we were talking about this season and the things that needed to go right for the Canucks to be a playoff team, remember when Bruce Boudreaux said that it would be a disaster if they missed the playoffs? Um, <laughs> Pedersen, we, we said Pedersen has to be a bona fide 1C. He has to play like an elite player. He has to show, show, show. He's done his job without question. Um, I think Hughes right now is a very, very talented... I watch him do some things in, in small segments, and it's, it's remarkable the skill level that he has. Yep. I think he plays too much and is being too relied upon and is surrounded by anchors, so I'd, I'd love to keep those two. Demko, I think this is just a blip, so I think he's going to be all right and his contract's good. Outside of that, so that's three of tw- an active roster <laughs> at 23. And then outside of that, I'm like, I, could, I would not be heartbroken if they had to move on from some of these guys. And Rutherford's put this out there. Let's make that abundantly clear. That clip that he had when he was talking about some of our players are untradeable because, you know, the 31 other NHL teams don't yeah, want them. Nobody wants them. He said that might lead us to having to trade guys that we never thought we'd trade. Alarm bell. Oh, that one's going off mm-hmm. right away because when he starts saying things like that, he's as cognizant as this fan base and his bruff and laddie and Adog that it might need a more significant change than just, well, maybe we'll need to trade Pearson. Or, oh, could we get something for Besser? Or, oh, well, let's move off Garland. Didn't he say as early as this next road, the end of this road trip, like he might, he might have to start shaking things up, him and Alvin? Just for the sake of it. He said we have to, to get, get players' attention, but I think it comes back to what trades can be done, if those are trades. Yeah. I don't know. What are some other ideas to, to get their their attention yeah. i don't know like you remember that movie major league and they i don't know like oh i remember them, it you know made, made them fly in that terrible plane the terrible or whatever, plane you know? yeah. like, I, like what what else can you do what else can you do like like i i, I keep coming back to jim rutherford's um I'll, I'll say it rant on on monday on on the station and and we're, we're all kind of like well what is he trying to do here is it you know maybe he's just trying to Maybe he's just trying to rattle their cage. Maybe he's maybe he's at the point right now where he's kind of like, you know, he he said I thought it was interesting when he came on with uh Sat and Dan, he's like, I'm the same as the texters, right? Like I'm I'm feeling the same anger as the people that are texting into the show. Maybe he's just blowing off some steam and going like, Hey, look listen to what I'm saying about you. Listen to the things that I'm saying about you. How about a reaction? How about a like a like an fu boss? Like we're gonna go out and show you, and then you come out with these efforts in Ottawa. First two periods horrible. They salvaged it. Uh, last night in Montreal, they were like, "Oh well, we we surely we, you know you you can't salvage this start," and the, and they couldn't right. And and I just show some pride. What's the show, thing that, show they- some pride like. There's this game on Saturday against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I know you know, like we all get sick of the attention that Toronto gets, but Toronto definitely gets the attention. Go out there, and 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 just just play like you care. But they look so disinterested. That's my issue. Like on watching these guys on the bench, they look apathetic, bored, disinterested, miserable. They look like they have zero answers. Like they just look like they're resigned to the fact that they're going to be terrible all year. There looks, there's no pushback. It it drives me mad just watching the, the body language of the guys on the bench. They look completely, completely gone. Like the season's already ended. There is, there are so many texts coming into the Dunbar Lumber text line, and none of them are pushing back on us. We, we I don't think we, which is strange. I I don't think Mike in our years of covering the Canucks and being on the radio, I don't think we have ever buried a team like we buried a team in the first hour of this morning show. 
I don't think it's ever happened. There have been some uh, bad teams. Ah, there it is. Bobby in Vancouver just texted in. He just he wants to point out we're only two points out of a wild card spot and six <laughs> points out of third place in the division. You're right, Bobby. They played well. Debbie Downers, R E L A X. Oh, with the relax thing. Everyone, as usual, is just overreacting in our hockey crazy city. No, we'll come they're together. not. They're not. If this is still like no. this after Christmas, then we'll make some moves. I will say this. Um, part of the issue here, and the reason that Jason has said, I don't think we've ever buried a team so thoroughly and comprehensively, is because in, in the really dark days, the sea of Grandlands, the endless rotation of depth guys when they were just really bad. Remember when they all got the mumps? Around that time. Um, the expectations were low. We knew the team was bad because it was designed to be bad, even if they were trying to be good. We just looked at the. It wasn't designed to be bad, but they were bad. But they were bad. Everyone from the outside saw the design of this team is bad. The guys on the inside were like, we think it's good. Anyway, I digress. Um, This season, and I'll throw this out to Bobby in Vancouver, it's not an overreaction when your head coach comes out and says that missing the playoffs could be a disaster. Would be a disaster. It's also not an overreaction to point out that the additions you made to this team have actually been good additions. Kuzmenko's been good. He has 11 points in 14 games. In his first season in the NHL, he's trending towards being a 25-goal, 70-point guy. I like Mikhaev. I think he's been good. He's got eight points in 14 games. That's a pretty solid pickup. So on top of everything else, (laughs) the things that they added to put this team over the top have actually worked to a certain degree. Which leads you to ask, well, what about the core that these guys were added to? What's going on there? And it's a problem. And it's it's woefully underachieving. And inconsistencies of this nature are problematic. Because you just don't have any answers. Well, the Bobby, more, in, Bobby yeah. in Vancouver needs to understand it's not Bobby. just reacting to this this team. People are frustrated over the last, this is like eight years, ten years of this. Yeah, It's built up over a decade. That's That's what this is coming from. People aren't just reacting to what's happening right now. They're tired of watching the team spin its wheels every single season. And make things worse. And make things worse with like self-inflicted mistakes. Yeah. They signed Tyler Myers. They made the trade for OEL. They re-signed JT Miller recently. You know, it's these mistakes, these self-inflicted mistakes, instead of just letting themselves be bad for a few years. If I'm the owner, I'm furious at all the money I'm wasting on this team. You're capped out, and the fans hate your team, right? Not not hate in the sense that you know, like they want to love the team. There are all these people texting in there, and 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 they're on social media, and they're still somehow watching these games, right? And they want to fall in love with the Canucks again. And you're spending all this money on these guys that, I don't know, they don't seem to care. There's $100 million committed. They don't seem to care. $100 million committed in salary this offseason with the Besser extension, the Miller extension, and the Mikhaev contract. $100 million, right? That's a lot of money to get this as your end product. And I, I, I feel, I also feel for the people that don't want, and this is now 54 uninterrupted minutes of lambasting the team. And I know that there's a lot of other stuff out there, but we've got to be honest. There's there's a breaking point that we can see coming here. And I think that's the big thing. The president of Hockey Ops doesn't issue the kind of challenge that he did on Monday without meaning it. Is that fair to suggest? You can't just throw that out there. And then if the team doesn't respond, you can be like, ah, well, I tried. Back to the office. Okay, but it, it, when, it, is, when is the breaking point then? Like, when does this happen? Okay, here's a fir- the first thing's first. There needs to be some sort of day-to-day accountability on this team. Because right now, no one is really being paid to suffer the consequences for crappy on-ice product. The only thing that I've really seen is Stillman played like junk. They took him out. They put in Rathbone. And Rathbone wasn't good last night. In fact, he was bad last night. But that's not really a ground, ground-shaking, earth-shattering move. Taking Riley Stillman out of the lineup. Connor Garland got healthy scratch for one game, and that was a long time ago. Now that feels like months ago. It wasn't well, it that seems long. like six hundred years yeah. ago. Yeah, but that. But really, has there been anything else aside from that? I, I honestly, I like, don't think so. Right, like I mean, Bruce doesn't even change his lines halfway through the game. 
Yeah, and that's and that's fine if that's his approach mm. up till now. But you need to pull out more stops if you're Boudreaux. Like Boudreaux's not an innocent party in all of this. God no, he's responsible for getting the rise. And right now, I think a lot of times his response is too often. I told the guys what to do. We know what we have to do. We're just not doing it. That I mean that eventually that answer is not going to fly because I'll tell you what there's 68 games left in the season. <laughs> You can't have that march after every game and that messaging after every game. But I, 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 when your president of Hockey Ops throws down the gauntlet to make your team more accountable, that's a direct shot at the coach. That's not at the players. You know, you have to say, Bruce, it's not okay to just explain this away as, well, the guys aren't listening to my messaging. There has to be consequences for not listening. There has to be consequences for going out there and not doing the things that they want to do. I mean, that's why general managers love bringing Daryl Sutter into a room because he'll do those things. He'll sit guys down. He'll park guys in the press box. He'll bench a guy for the entire third period. If he's not doing what he wants them to do, he'll throw a game away. They will lose games because <laughs> the rotation is short, either on defense or at forward because he doesn't want to give in and say, I'm, I'm going to, and it's not even rewarding. It's like, I'm going to let that guy play, even though he's not doing the things that I want him to do. Right. That's a taskmaster. Boudreaux's never really been that guy, to be honest. He's always been a player's coach. He's the throw the arm around the guy. If a guy's struggling, his response is, hey, bud, it's going to be okay. You're a good hockey player. Let's go get some ice cream. You're right? a good that's, dog. But, but that's it, yeah. though. Honestly, yep. he's like the cool dad, you know? And I, you know, I feel like Rutherford is challenging him to go outside of his comfort level a little bit, try something different with the group, try something fundamentally different with the group. I'll be curious to see if it happens. I know we got to go to break, but we played the audio of Boudreaux talking about Tanner Pearson, for example. And he said the penalties he's taking aren't good, and it's unacceptable from a guy that's played this long in the league and has won a Stanley Cup. The follow-up question should have been, what are you going to do about it? Are you just going to talk to him, or are you even going to address this, or is he going to hear this through the media, or is he going to get sat down? Is he going to say, no, 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 no more getting chances to correct your play. You're out. That's where they're at as a team. Those decisions, that's not going to be a crazy decision. It'll be chewed up and you know eaten up with gravy by the media because we love that stuff. But those are decisions that have to be made, and that's what accountability is. Chris Faber is going to join us next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.